Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikbat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvatisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. That your Word would go forth to encourage your people, um, that we would hear something fresh from you, O God. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. So we are in chapter 6 of the Besorah, or Gospel of John, and uh, I thought I would begin this sermon in a typical way, of course, with an excerpt from a Christian rap song, because I always do that, right? No? Okay. So uh, the artist Jonah Sorrentino, better known as KJ52, raise your hand if you've heard of uh, KJ52, yeah, yeah, see a little bit, okay, all right, well, you're about to learn all about him because uh, he grew up in Tampa and became a follower of Messiah at the age of 15 and uh, became a successful artist, a rapper, and, uh, but he sings about the Lord and uh, he uh, kind of reaches that, that particular audience for those who uh, enjoy rap music. Um, you know, you can sing in any style for the Lord. Amen? So uh, this is a, one of his songs. It is a self-titled KJ52, and it explains, of course, how he got his name. I'm sure you're all very curious, right? I'm sure you're wondering, what does KJ52 mean? So uh, let's check it out. If we have it ready, Mr. Robert, are we, uh, are we good to go? All right, and so this is the, uh, these are the lyrics here, and let's see if we can have the, the music along with it. I could wrap it for you if, if it doesn't come up, but we'll see. There we go. Not 52, it don't stand for King James. I waited too long, now so let me explain. John 6, 9, let me break it down plain. Five loaves, two fishes, what a boy gave. So I took what I had and I just did the same. Put all in his hands and I just walked away. I said, Lord, it's all yours, you can have the whole thing. I know what I bring, it might sound a little strange, but I'm not in it just for this money or the fame. Still just the same, ain't nothing ever changed. I still drive a minivan and I ain't ashamed. Slipping, lipping, ice tea, dipping, switching lanes like an insane soccer. I'm about to hit the game. Yelling at the lane driver saying, Get out of the way! My name is KJ. Y'all know the name. Did you guys like that? Yeah. No? Okay. <laughs> Not a lot of uh, KJ52 fans, as many as I thought there would be in here. Okay. Um, let me ask again. Did you guys like that? Yeah. Now, the question you may be asking yourselves now is why did I choose to open my sermon? This way. Is it possibly because I want to launch my rap career today and shall be henceforth known as DJ Kosher Wine? And I'm about to drop my new album, Happy New Year. You're three months late, son. 
It's a working title. Um, well, the truth is that in explaining his name, KJ52, does some really good interpretation on this week's New Covenant portion found in John 6. So uh, I've mentioned before how the different gospel uh, accounts give different perspectives on the life of Yeshua. Uh, that is his life, ministry, death, and the resurrection. Especially the book of John is quite unique and it highlights the oneness of Yeshua with the Father, especially um, in, in, that, in that sense. However, the cool thing about this passage in John 6 that we're about to read is it's the only miracle, the only narrative that appears in all four gospel accounts. So there must be something important here that the writers uh, of the gospels would include it in, every, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Does that sound interesting? All right, so we're going to check it out. This is uh, John 6, starting in verse 1. Afterwards, Yeshua went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they were watching the signs he was performing on the sick. Then Yeshua went up the mountainside and sat down there with his disciples. Passover, the Jewish feast, was near. Lifting up his eyes and seeing a large crowd coming to him, Yeshua said to Philip, Where will we buy bread so that these may eat? Now Yeshua was saying this to test him, for he knew what he was about to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii, that's the um, money that they used, isn't enough to buy bread for each to get a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what's that for so many? Yeshua said, make the people recline. There was much grass in the area. So the men reclined, about 5,000 in number. Then Yeshua picked up the loaves. And having given thanks, he distributed bread to everyone who was reclining. He did the same with the fish as much as they wanted. When the people were full, Yeshua said to his disciples, Gather up the leftovers so nothing is wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with broken pieces from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had finished eating. When the people saw the sign that Yeshua performed, they began to say, This is most certainly the prophet who has come into the world. Realizing they were about to come and seize him by force to make him king, Yeshua withdrew again to the mountain, himself alone. Now, why is this passage included in all four gospel accounts? <clears throat> what is the relationship between this narrative and the narrative of Israel? We think of God providing manna in the wilderness, a bread-like substance that fell from the sky while we were wandering in the Sinai desert for 40 years. We think of prophets like Elijah during a time of famine and drought, which Elijah himself called forth, Elijah met a widow, and he asked her for bread. And this is her response in 1 Kings 17, starting in verse 12. So she said, As Adonai your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a little oil in the jug. Now look, I am gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go in and prepare it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. This is, she's thinking this is her 
last meal. Elijah said to her, fear not, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake from what you have there. Bring it out to me, and afterwards make some for you and your son. For thus says Adonai, God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be exhausted, nor the jug of oil be empty, until the day Adonai sends rain on the land. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not exhausted, nor the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of Adonai, which he spoke through Elijah. Do we see the parallel between this narrative and the narrative of Yeshua? It's miraculous multiplication of food. So after this, Elijah also revives the son from death, which points forward to the resurrection life of Yeshua. But the point of these narratives in the history of Israel is to show the provision of God. The most basic need that we have is food, and the most basic element of food is bread, which in Hebrew is lechem, and it's used interchangeably. It means food and bread. So as we trust in God, we see the provision of God. Why were the Israelites in the desert? They were following God out of the slavery of Egypt, and that's where they got manna. Why were the crowds miles from the nearest ancient uh, Burger King or whatever? They were following Yeshua. That's why they were out there. As we follow him, he shows us provision. Amen? Scholars have noted the significance of the numbers and signs in the text. Perhaps the five loaves represent, what do you think? What has number five? The five books of the Torah, that's right, Uh, which Yeshua is feeding to the masses, right? He's feeding them literally and figuratively. He's feeding them the word of God, the Torah, because he is the Torah. Perhaps the two fish represent the two united kingdoms of the Jewish people. Remember, um, there was a kind of a problem that that was broken up. There was the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And Yeshua came to ingather the Jewish people under one king, right? The humble Messiah himself. Bread represents the Torah, and Yeshua is the Torah, the word, the bread of life. And fish, this came to represent the Yeshua movement from an early period. You see, you know, still today, you see little, the little fish symbol, right? That's symbol, symbolic of the Yeshua movement. Um, where was I? So um, many of the disciples got their living as fishermen, right? And Yeshua, very early on, he said, he, when he met them, he said, from now on, you will not be fishers of fish, you will be fishers of men or people, right? So perhaps the fish represents the gospeling and the discipleship that Yeshua's followers were to provide. Not just the Torah, but also the Basura, the word and the gospel that brings the word to fullness. But whatever their symbolism, the basic idea is the same. The abundant food that sustains our bodies, the spiritual food of the Torah that sustains our beings, the discipleship and the multiplication of faith 
In all these, what do we see? The provision of God. And this brings us to the power of the sign in John 6. What KJ 5.2 pointed out is that we not only see the provision of God, we see the power of God. Just like the little boy, what did he have? Five loaves and two fish. The rapper, it says in the song, if you remember, it says he gave everything that he had back to God. And though it's not much, right, on its own, in God, it can be multiplied. God gave KJ 5-2 musical and rhyming ability, not for his own fame, but to reach an audience that would connect with this style of music. Uh, clearly not you all, but someone, I'm sure, enjoys this. For the transformative power of God, which is the gospel. So like KJ 5-2, we are now kicking it old school. What do I mean by that? I thought we could take a brief look at this week's Torah portion. Yeah, because there's a great exchange between Moses and God in the beginning of the book of Exodus. So to set it up, remember, Moses spent 40 years in the palace of the Pharaoh, and then he ran away after he tried to impose justice through violence, and he killed an Egyptian. And then he spent 40 years as a shepherd in Midian, when God appeared to him from a burning bush. And then, even though Moses says, Hineni, which means, here I am, in response to the call of God, he is hesitant, and he offers quite a few excuses. Okay, so let's take a look at uh, this exchange a little bit more closely, and uh, we don't have time to go into all of it, so I guess if you really want to get the meat of this Torah portion, you got to come to Torah study every other Wednesday. Short little plug for that. Okay, so, but we're going we're gonna to go through this briefly and then get to the point. Uh, Robert, do we have it? So, <clears throat> this is the Moses and God convo uh, in Exodus 3 and 4. And it starts off with God telling him the plan, Right? And he says, uh, what you're going to do is you're going to free us, uh, all the Israelites, from the slavery of Pharaoh, and I'm going to send you Moses, and then I'm going to bring us all into the promised land, right? And Moses responds, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I, right? So this is the first question that Moses has. And then God responds, I will be with you. Right? And then Moses says, okay, that's good. I appreciate that you're going to be with me. But who should I say is sending me? In other words, the second question is, who are you? Right? Right? And then God, what does God respond to this? Does anyone know? He reveals his name, yud heh vav Right? And he says, I am that I am is sending you. In other words, the great I am that Yeshua connects with in the book of John, the great I am, the one who causes all things to exist, the one who causes all things to have their being is the one sending you to Pharaoh. So, you know, pretty trustworthy God. Amen? Okay, and so Moses now says, but what if they don't believe me? 
right? Okay, so we can see Moses is not quite accepting the call, you know, right off the bat. So he's got a couple excuses here, but, you know, he's human. We all do this. So, uh, so he's saying, what if they don't believe me? And then God responds like this. He says, what's in your hand? And Moses answers, a staff. What's that in your hand? Five loaves, two fish. What has God given you, placed in your hand? What are the gifts, and resources, talents, and calling that God has put in your hand? And why does Moses have a staff? Because that's part of his identity as a shepherd. Remember, he's a shepherd. He's a pastor of sheep. God takes fishermen and makes them fishers of people. God takes shepherds of sheep and makes them shepherds of people. God takes artists, musicians, teachers, business owners, government workers, those that clean, those that serve, those that write, those that take care of children, and transforms that vocation into a calling because we're not serving our boss, we're serving God in his kingdom. When Moses raises his staff, that which is in his hand, what happens? The Red Sea parts, freedom from slavery. When Moses raises his staff, the Israelites are successful in battle. But what does God ask Moses to do with his staff in this exchange? Throw it on the ground and then take it back up again. He gives it back to God. In our own strength, we can't do anything. But in God, we can scale a wall. We can split the sea. We can bring the fullness of his restorative kingdom. So the loaves and the fish are not just about the provision of God, but also the power of God. The power of God to work in and through us. So whatever you do for God and in God, he will bring his power through you for the kingdom. So what is that in your hand? What has God given us that we can render back to him so that he can multiply it in power? In God and only in God, we have enough and we are enough. And this brings us to the third principle that the loaves and the fish narrative shows us. We see in this passage the purpose of God. It's not just about the food, but it's about the relationship. Here at Tikvat Israel, we say that we have the best oneg in town. And it's the best oneg in town by the food that we all bring to it, by our participation. And there have been times when we have wondered, is there enough for everyone? But God has always provided, and then some. The Oneg leaders have testified to this as, a, as a, almost like a sign, right? That it's happened over and over. God always provides. 
But the point of oneg is not so we can all eat, but so that we can be panim el panim. What is that? Face to face. So we can grow as a community, as a family. Yeshua provided food for the people because they were following him, because they were with him, and they were with each other. The purpose of our oneg is the same. God's provision and his power are not about food, but they have the purpose of community. When he provides in power, the purpose is for the building up of the body, for mutual blessing, for family. His death and resurrection has made us brothers and sisters in Messiah. We are truly a family, and our oneg is really a broneg, right? Speaking of fresh rhymes, <clears throat> yeah, you know it's coming. I'd like to summarize this sermon in a befitting manner with some original fresh rhymes because you all stuck it out to the end. But first, I'm going to need you to lay down a little, little beat here by putting your hands together on the two and the four. You think you can do that? All right, let's see. Kind of like a, there we go. Don't speed up now. Just keep it steady. Just remember, whatever God gave you, give it back to him. Yeah. He will multiply it in provision, power, and purpose. DJ Kosher Wine on the mic from the beam, uh, trying to share a post-supersessionist scheme. Uh, my rhymes are lame because I'm nerdy like Jacob, preaching on the gospel so we all can wake up. Like manna from heaven, we rely on provision and trust in God with every decision. So what you gonna do with what you've been given? The power of God means the fullness of living. Living that life in the one who is holy, mixing in the word like guacamole. The provision and the power and the purpose are sound. So let's go down to the best own egg in town. <clears throat> Five loaves, two fish. Torah to your matriarch. What? Uh, let's pray. Avinu, our Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, we thank you that you um, can speak through a variety of media and that uh, the message of your uh, provision for us, you provide for us, your power as we give what we have back to you and uh, of your community and of your purpose for, for community and family that you have. And um, we thank you for um, the gospel accounts and that point backward toward the story of Israel and point forward to who you are and how much you love us. And we pray that uh, as we go down to Oneg, that we would truly enact um, uh, this uh, purpose for community and that uh, we would reflect your love for us. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.